Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. You are listening to a sermon series through the Gospel of Mark, entitled, Who is this guy? Jesus. Today we're looking at the passage Mark chapter 2 and verses 13 through to 17. The story about how Jesus calls Levi the tax collector and then eats with tax collectors and sinners. In order to make this passage come alive, I'm going to be doing a first-person narrative. So expect something different. I hate taxes. I mean, I really, really hate taxes. It's not as though we're not paying enough taxes already, a poll tax, simply for the privilege of existing, an income tax, a land tax, And now, Levi has set up his tax booth right here on the Sea of Galilee. Duty tax. Now I've got to pay a duty tax to use the harbor to go fishing. Then, I've got to pay a duty tax to sell my fish at the market. Oh, and if I want to transport my fish from here to the market on the main road, you guessed it. It's a toll road. And who has set up his booth on the road? Levi, the hated tax collector. Poor Nathaniel. The other day, he was taking all his produce to go and sell to the foreign merchants who always travel through Capernaum. On his way, traveling on the road that he always goes on, who does he meet? Levi and his little tax booth. Boy, did he get stunned. He had to pay a tax for using a cart. He had to pay a tax for each wheel on the cart. Oh, and you want a donkey to pull your cart? You need to pay a tax for that too. Then he got taxed on all his goods and then the export duties. That was the end of him. He was already in debt. He had to sell himself into slavery to pay his debt. I don't know what happened to his family. And there's Levi drinking champagne and eating caviar in his tax booth. What a fraud! We all know how the system works. They overcharge us. They squeeze us as tight as they can because they get to keep the excess, the profits. I mean, just have a look at his car. Think of a hard-nosed, bureaucratic taxman with the motivation of a used car salesman. That's Levi. To make matters worse, he's working for the Romans. Okay, technically he's working for Herod, the supposed king of the Jews. But everyone knows that Herod is just a puppet king for the Romans. Herod's a collaborator. Herod governs Galilee for the Romans. So we're actually paying taxes To Rome. Look, I don't mind paying temple tax. That goes to our Jewish leaders and to the the, the temple. But to pay taxes to a foreign nation? We're actually funding Rome's invasion and occupation of Israel. We're funding their exploitation of us. And to think a Jew like Levi would collaborate with the enemy would help the enemy exploit us. What a traitor, a fraud, 
and a traitor. Tax collectors are the most hated people in all of Galilee. Well, Levi and all other tax collectors have been kicked out of synagogue publicly and rightly so. They have brought shame on their family. Their family, Levi's family, has publicly disowned him. No one's friends with Levi. Because if you are, then you too might be kicked out of synagogue and your family disown you. But who would want to be friends with a tax collector? Someone who values money more than their country, their religion, their reputation, their purity. Well, anyhow, there I was standing on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, right by Levi's tax booth. When all of a sudden I see this rabbi, Jesus, and his disciples and all his followers coming towards us. And he makes eye contact with the Levi. And he makes a beeline straight for Levi. I'm thinking, this is going to be good. Rabbis hate tax collectors more than me. And everyone's saying, this rabbi is the Messiah, the anointed one. God's chosen and appointed king come to rid the world of evil. You know what I mean? Kick the Romans out. And you know what that means. Tax-free zone. (laughs) So I I can't wait to find out what this rabbi is going to say to the traitor. He says two words to him, and only two words, and they weren't the two words I was expecting. He says, follow me. I was stunned. Even some of Jesus' own disciples, the fishermen, had raised eyebrows, because they too had been ripped off by Levi. But let me explain a few things. First of all, Rabbis just don't go around and choose anyone. People pick their rabbi. And they beg him. They pay him to accept their son to be one of his disciples. And if the rabbi thinks that the son comes from a good stock, a good religious family, then he might possibly test the son to see if he's good enough. And if the son passes all of the rabbi's tests, then and only then does a rabbi call him and say, follow me and become my disciple. And of course, if you become a disciple, it opens up all kinds of opportunities for you. You can say, I am a disciple of rabbi so-and-so. It opens job opportunities. You get access to the religious elite. Now, Jesus is a super rabbi. He's got this massive crowd following him. He's casting out demons. He's healing the sick. He's cleansing lepers. He can choose anyone he wants. People are queuing up to be his disciple. And he chooses Levi, a tax collector. I mean, no one picks Levi. No one's friends with Levi. Even in primary school, no one used to pick Levi to be on their team. Yet he picks Levi. He says to Levi, you are on my team. No wonder Levi spontaneously jumps up and follows him. No one's ever chosen him before. But to be fair to Levi, it was quite a brave thing to do. Unlike the rest of Jesus' disciples, the fishermen, 
You could always go back to fishing. Once you left the lucrative business of tax collecting, you could never go back. I don't know which was more amazing. The fact that Jesus called Levi or the complete transformation in Levi's life. And I'm no media expert, but I think Jesus has made a huge PR blunder here. I mean, there's a massive crowd over here, the Capernaum Chronicles over here, kicking out a tax collector would have gone down like a treat. But asking a traitor to become one of your followers... That's no way to start a new movement. That's bad press. Everyone's taking out their cell phones, taking photographs of Jesus with the Levi, updating them onto Facebook. I don't see how you can recover from this. And just when I think it can't get any worse, Jesus becomes the guest of honor at a dinner party at Levi's house. Levi, because he's got no friends, well, no respectable friends, has invited all the low-life scum of Capernaum to his house. I guess when Jesus calls you, you just can't keep it to yourself. You've just got to invite everyone and introduce them to Jesus. But again, it's also public. Windows open, doors open. Jesus lying on a cushion at the center of the table right next to Levi, eating, drinking, making a noise. The place is crowded with tax collectors and sinners, frauds and traitors. There was a prostitute there. There was a guy, a dad, who had walked out and uh, cheated on his wife. There was a single mom with a drug problem. There was a city banker with his big bonus. There was a guy in the corner smoking a joint. They were all there. Sure, there were some half-decent guys who just couldn't fit into the straight jacket of the Jewish religious laws, like the guy with his pork sandwich. <laughs> Other guys who just couldn't bother with all the ritual washing and cleaning. They were all there. This is no way to start a movement. I was shocked. And, the, and Jesus... And his disciples were eating with them. You Westerners just don't get it. He was eating with them. In the Middle East, eating with someone is highly significant. It means you welcome them, accept them. By Jesus, eating with them meant that he welcomed them, he accepted them, and he forgave them. Kind of like when you guys take communion. You eat and drink as a sign of your fellowship with each other and with God. This was no way for a Jew to behave, especially a rabbi. You expect more from a rabbi. All the other rabbis in the synagogue had kicked these guys out. There's no way they'll go anywhere near them. They would never eat with them. And the rabbis, they were there, they were standing right next to me, staring in, in disbelief. Who is this guy? Jesus. Eating and partying with sinners and tax collectors. You see, these rabbis, these teachers of the law, they were part of the Jewish sect called the Pharisees, which literally means separate ones. 
That's because they believe they needed to be separate from everyone else so that they don't become contaminated with sin. They were obsessed with obeying the law of Moses. That's the Ten Commandments and so on. To, in, in the most strictest way. And so their rabbis, the teachers of the law, had come up with rules about how to ensure that you obey the law to the minutest detail. They had rules about everything. Rules about eating, rules about cleaning, rules about tithing herbs, rules about this, rules about that, rules about everything. You get the idea. Everything had to be kosher. And the purpose of all these rules was to ensure that they were separate, that they were righteous, that they were pure. And they believed that God would never accept you or have a relationship with you unless you obeyed all their rules. You first had to repent, then you had to go through ceremonial washing and cleansing, then you had to obey all their rules and become just like them, and then God would accept you and they would have fellowship with you by eating with you. So they would never have anything to do with tax collectors and sinners, and they would never in a million years eat with sinners. (coughs) And so so they are shocked by what they see. So they grab a couple of Jesus' disciples, drag them out, and start interrogating them. And they say to them, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? You see, they had a problem with Jesus. And their problem is that he's a bad example. Especially as a rabbi. You expect more from a rabbi. By Jesus eating with these tax collectors and sinners means that they would probably think, God welcomes them. God accepts them. God loves them. God forgives them freely as sinners. And what would other people think if they see this? Would they think that kind of behavior is okay? It's okay to sin? It's okay to have dinner parties with sinners? This is not the way to influence a society. What they believe Jesus should do is keep his distance. He should judge them. He should look down on them. He should tell them they need to repent and obey all of Moses' laws as a precondition. And then he can accept them and eat with them. That's how you influence society. That's how you lead people to God. And and to be honest, I kind of agree with their logic. I mean, I've never actually seen anyone who's being judged and looked down coming to know God. But the rabbi said that he knew a rabbi who knew someone, who heard about someone, who once came to find God after being ostracized this way. Well, you can't fault the logic, can you? Anyhow, by Jesus eating with these guys implies that God accepts them and welcomes them and forgives them freely. Crazy stuff. Anyhow, Jesus hears about what they've been saying and he looks out the door and he looks straight at these rabbis and he says to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Well, to be honest, that's a, that's a fairly good point. I mean, imagine a doctor saying, get all these sinners, I mean, these sick people away from me, I don't want to get a disease. 
I mean, that would be ridiculous. But that's kind of what these rabbis are doing. And if Jesus is a doctor who's come to heal the sick, well, I guess you kind of expect him to hang out with the sick and the sinners. But I also detected some irony in what Jesus was saying. It was as if he was looking straight at the rabbis and saying to them, if you don't need the forgiveness of God, tongue-in-cheek, then excuse me, I'd like to get on with my work. It was as if he was saying to these rabbis that they too needed to be forgiven by God. But they were just too self-righteous, too proud to recognize their own needs. And Jesus isn't able to help them because they think they're so good They don't need any help. Wow. This was turning my whole worldview upside down. Could this be true? That would mean we don't have to obey all these religious rules in order to have a relationship with God, but rather we just have to have a dinner party with Jesus. That's good news. Well, let's just say, for argument's sake, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Anointed One, God's chosen King. That would mean that God loves and accepts everyone. That God welcomes and forgives everyone freely, even tax collectors. That would mean we don't have to obey all these religious rules and and do all these things in order to earn God's forgiveness and acceptance. That would be crazy. That would be like love. And, And that would mean that God loves to leave the purity of temple, the purity of synagogue, the purity of temple, Uh, of church, and go out and look for low-life scum. That will mean that God loves to hang out and eat and party with low-life scum, like tax collectors. God wouldn't do that. Would He? And that would mean that God wants us to follow this guy, Jesus. And also... Welcome and accept and love and forgive everyone freely. That we should go and find people who would never put a foot in synagogue, who would never put a foot in church, because they would be judged. And that we should go and find them and invite them to our house for a dinner party and throw a party for them and love them and call them to follow Jesus. God wouldn't want us to do that. Would he? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do turn our worldview upside down. That you love to come to us. And even at times when we mess things up and get everything wrong, you come to us. You throw your arms around us and you love us. And you accept us. And you call us to come and be on your team. 
Father, we thank you that you choose us. Even though many other people might not choose us, you choose us. You call us to be on your team. You call us to follow you. You call us to a whole new radical way of life. Father, we pray that we will never be like the rabbis who think we, we, we're so good. We're so good, we, we don't need any help. We're so good, we don't need you. Father, we pray we'll never be like that. And, and we confess that there have been times when we've been like that. Father, won't you forgive us? Father, won't you help us to be humbled enough to say we need you. We need your love. We need your forgiveness. We need your strength and your power to enable us to be the kind of people you created us to be. And then give us that boldness to do radical things. To accept the unacceptable, to touch the untouchable, to love the unlovable, to welcome all, to open our homes and invite people to come for meals and throw parties for them because you love them and therefore we love them. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.